I'm Danielle. And I'm Christy. And you are listening to Snacks with Stein. Let's do it. Welcome back to Snacks with Stein. I'm Christy and Danielle is here with me. Danielle, I'm sorry, but your house is real haunted. Yeah, I had no idea. And now I'm like thinking about moving. Yeah, or maybe we could call like Z-Bags and he could show <laughs> up. Because when we when we were recording episode two, I was going through the editing process. And I guess I guess I should preface this by saying, me personally, I don't think EVPs are a thing. I feel like that is your brain trying to make connections and trying to identify sounds in the way that you have since you've been a baby. And I think a lot of times people hear things that aren't actually there, my personal belief. That being said, the way that our recording process works Danielle records her feed in California. I record my feed in Colorado and I listen to them both by themselves. I go through and take out any interference noise. So it's kind of like I'm listening to a one-sided conversation. So when I was listening to the track from 12 Screams of Christmas, there was a very distinct voice. Danielle was not talking during this time. It's definitely not her voice. It's definitely not my voice, but it's certainly a voice and it is saying something. Also, when you edit, it's like a graphic of green sound waves on a black background. When you're going through and you're editing, you know, certain sounds look a certain way. And this did not look like interference. This looked like when people are speaking. But we're going to play it for you guys so you can listen to it. We'll play it two times in a row because you always have to hear it again just to see if you heard what you heard. Um, But it's real fucking creepy. It'll make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. So we're going to play that for you right now. So how do you feel about um, being dragged to hell? I'm not really cool with it. I have some things I'd like to accomplish first. I want to go to Disney World again, maybe an international Disney park, (laughs) and then I'll go to hell. It's real creepy. Like, I listened to it a couple of times because I I wasn't even going to say anything. I was like, no, this is is not right. This doesn't belong here. (laughs) We do have a Patreon toast. It's a very special Patreon toast for today's episode because this toast is for my husband, who is very excited to be a patron. He's he's joined Team Fear Street, so that means that he gets a toast on the show. So I wrote the toast, if everybody could lift up their glasses. As spouses go... You're always a pretty good sport. And I really like the fact that you are not short. You help with the kids and barbecue the ribs, and you're pretty damn good at making a fort. 
cheers. Yay. Thank Yay. you, patron. <laughs> All right. So today I'm kind of cheating and just having some hot chocolate because I had dinner shortly before the podcast. Fancy hot chocolate. So that's what I'm doing today. <laughs> it's kind of fitting uh, because the book that I am bringing today is called The Snowman. This is, I remember this one. I remember buying this one from the Walden's bookstore in the mall. It was always in the back. The YA yeah. was always in the back. It smelled fantastic in there. I remember reading it and I remember wishing that I lived in a place that had like big snowy winters. There's, there's just something like crisp magical and possibly kind of creepy about being out at night with like a clear sky and a good layer of snow kind of sparkling on the ground and that's where this book took me the first time I read it so I thought it would be really good to include this one on our holiday theme this one's technically point horror and Point Horror was, um, do you remember Point Horror? It sounds familiar. From the book club? When I saw your co- the cover art, I was like, oh, okay. Like I had a little bit of like a flashback recollection. but Right. Point Horror was, it was a series that Scholastic Books launched in 1991. And what it was is there were some authors, different kinds of authors like Stein and Christopher Pike. And they would re-release some of their books into this new series. So I think otherwise, if he hadn't released this one as Point Horror, it definitely would have ended up as a Fear Street. So I say it counts. Right. I think so. Let's set the scene. This one's copyrighted in 1991. On the cover, uh, and I'll get a picture of this up as well. There's what looks like kind of a very dapper snowman. And it's the kind of snowman you see on Christmas cards. Or the kind you would try to make as a kid. But in reality, your snowman would always be like horribly lopsided and had like dirt and sticks and shit in it. But this snowman looks perfect. Except that someone has pushed his head off. It's a a nighttime scene. It's real snowy. The title is in big red embossed metallic letters. Patches. Hush. We have a new podcast dog today. We've had Patches for almost eight years and like we're grumpy and we tell him <laughs> things like, you know, nobody likes you. Oh, and I uh, like oh, you. You've got a podcast dog. I have two podcast dogs. What are their names? Their names are Fitz and Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The tagline for this one is a cold-blooded killer. Get it? Because it's a snowman. I love it. So, Danielle, have you always lived in California or have you ever lived where there's like a lot of snow? Nope. 100% California. So you've never even made a snowman, right? Well, you could have traveled somewhere, I guess. Yeah, I have not made a snowman. I have been to snow once in my life like up in like Northern, Northern California. So like 
going toward Nevada border up there. But it was like a snow park. So they the snow was real. They just bring it in and you can go sledding and, you know, that kind of stuff. Then once we were driving home from Reno, Nevada, and it snowed. So I saw snow. And that was it. <laughs> that is the end of my snow. Okay, well, we're going to we're going to transport you today. Um, When we uh, and I just this is weird that I added this, but I wanted to mention that this particular book retailed for three twenty five, three dollars and twenty five cents. That's a weird price, isn't it? I was I I thought that was odd, but I swear to God, that's that's what it says. (laughs) Okay. this story is about Heather. Heather who is being raised by her Uncle James. And Uncle James is kind of a son of a bitch. (laughs) He's not outwardly abusive, not yet, anyways, but he's definitely, he's not a good guy. He's not a good guardian, and she hates him. She spends most of the first and second chapters kind of fantasizing about different ways that he could die accidentally on purpose. It's a snowy landscape. We're in a town called Twin Valley. Heather and her boyfriend, Ben, are sitting in Ben's parked car on the street in front of Heather's house. Don't get excited. It's the middle of the day. (laughs) Ben has given her a ride home from school, and now it's kind of backstory time for Heather. So we get a lot kind of dumped on us in this little scene. We learn that she's lost both of her parents in a car accident when she was three. And one of the only things that she has left of them is this lighter, this butane lighter that used to be her dad's. She carries this lighter everywhere. Now, when her parents died, she was sent to live with her aunt and uncle to be raised. Heather's parents left her a shit ton of money in a trust fund. And her evil uncle will not let her touch it. He believes in hard work, and for some reason, he just kind of hates Heather. He treats her like shit most of the time, and he doesn't allow her to use those funds for really anything, like nothing at all. So he tells her that if she wants to pay for things like clothes and school lunches, you know, the shit that he should be paying for, she has to get a job. So she does. She works every day. She's a waitress in like a little coffee shop in the mall, which makes zero sense. It's a coffee (laughs) shop slash diner that is also inside of a mall. I don't know. But this is a job that she hates because she should, because waiting tables fucking sucks. Did you ever wait tables? No, I did retail only. I refused to be around food. I was like, nope, won't do it. Never. The closest I ever came was I ran the register at the Starbucks inside Barnes and Noble for a week. So I handed out cookies and stuff, but that was it. <laughs> that was the end of that. You were all done with that after a week? Yeah. Well, it was like I was covering for someone that had gotten fired and it was like, we need a cashier. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I got thrown back there, even though I wasn't technically part of the Starbucks. I was a Barnes and Noble employee. <laughs> so. Oh, gotcha. So yeah. you, okay. Mm-hmm. You're taking one for the team. I did. I waited the shit out of some tables. Um, 
I, oh, 16, 17, 18. No, just 17 and 18. 17, wow. 18, and 19. When I was 17 and 18, I waited tables at a little hole-in-the-wall dive uh, called the Hera Country Cafe. It was frightening on a lot of levels. Um, a lot of meth in Oklahoma. Oh. And most of those people work in diners. We learned a lot. We did a lot of growing up there. Um, I bet. And I had this like Persian boss who was always coked out and like oh my God. <laughs> he would come. There were a few day, like days when we came in and like the safe was being replaced because he had been in there in the middle of the night and couldn't remember the combination and like had to get his money. So he had like tried to break into his own safe. That happened like a few times. And then when I, yeah. And then when I went to college, I got a job at a, a little diner called Shortcakes, which is very popular um, in, in my college town. And I only lasted about two weeks there because I, uh, I just didn't fit in. You know, I, mm. I wasn't pregnant and I had all my teeth. Oh, no. And uh, we just didn't have a lot to talk about. <laughs> so long story short, the waiting table sucks. So I fell for Heather here. Like, yeah. that, that's a shitty job. Yeah. So she's talking to Ben, you know, we're getting a lot of backstory. We learn that she works and, you know, nothing's really going on. It's the middle of the day. Her uncle shows up at the car, literally like drags her out of Ben's car and starts screaming at her like on the front lawn about how she's a tramp parking in the middle of the day. She needs to go and get off to work so that she's not late. Uncle James, kind of a jerk. Well, not yeah. kind of. Uncle James is a shithead, but we'll get yeah. there. Heather hates working in the diner for a lot of different reasons. The uniform that she has to wear is awful and itchy, doesn't fit her. Most people are assholes. And you can never, ever wash that smell of grease from your body. It gets, like, fused into your DNA. It's a small setup with a counter with stools in front of it. And then there's, like, some booths along the wall. And it's all done in, like, a 1950s kind of style it's white formica counters it's red vinyl seating i don't know why we put this diner in the mall but he did it's in the mall <laughs> we're gonna go with it okay kim shows up at the diner this is heather's friend stein describes her friend as being quote a little chunky rude okay i don't know why we needed to know that i know it's yeah. kind of rude like and he never really comes back to that so I'm like, okay, I guess we just needed to know that this was her chunky friend. But any, they so they start talking. Oh, <laughs> they start the talking, and Heather's complaining about. I know, right? It's very important that we establish that this is her fat friend. <laughs> but they start talking, and Heather's complaining about working this shitty job, and she tells her friend she's got three thousand dollars in her bank account, which. Adjusted for inflation, how much do you think that would be? Three thousand dollars in nineteen ninety one. Ugh. Maybe like I have no idea. I'm bad at math. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> mm, it is five thousand three hundred and eighty four dollars in today's okay. money. That would have been my first guess is about five thousand, but I didn't didn't feel confident. I didn't feel confident in it. <laughs> Well, this is why I'm old is because I feel like 1991 wasn't that long ago, but it fucking was. It's been a minute and it that's probably right. Like, it seems yeah. like that's pretty big inflation, but it's been 30, 40 years now. Mm -hmm. Awesome. 
<laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> so Uncle James, evil Uncle James, won't let her spend it. She's worked hard for things like expenses and clothes and lunches and school stuff. He's very tight with even the money that she makes herself. She has to hide it from him. Sorry, I have questions. And that's not even the money in her trust fund. Oh, no. Yes. How old is she? I missed that somewhere. Or did we not? I missed it. Or did we say? We did not establish okay. her age. Okay. She is, I believe that she's 17 because okay. the whole thing is about her just kind of having to tough it out with him until she turns 18. Because when okay. she turns 18, then she'll have control of the trust. Gotcha. Does that make okay. sense? Yes. That gotcha. clears okay. things up. So we're bitching to our chunky friend uh, <laughs> about our financial situation. Enter hot stranger. He walks in the cafe and he's like, panties be gone hot. <laughs> He's got white hair, not blonde, not silver, white. And it's, of course, middle parted in collar length. This is 1991. But here's the contrast. He has otherwise dark features. Dark brown eyes, tan skin, He's classically handsome. He's even got that little like chin dimple thing. The white hair makes him kind of look edgy and punk rock, but the nice face makes him look kind of approachable. It's like a perfect combo of like bad boy and pretty boy. And she just kind of stares at him like a moron for like (laughs) a minute while he goes and sits down. Have you, have you ever met someone who is so good looking? It was shocking. Yeah. Like never like a person in my real life, but like I've met like band members before and I didn't know what to say. So I was like, wow. (laughs) You just kind of like sit there like an idiot. Like, okay, hello. And you you try to find words, but words don't come out. It's, it's only happened a few times, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So she's she's trying to pull her shit together. Okay. Super hot stranger. Check. Okay. But we still have some stuff going on. We are technically at work. So she kicks it into gear. It's starting to get really busy. She goes over to take his order. She learns that he's just moved to Twin Valley. And she asks if he's going to go to Twin Valley High. And he says, oh, yeah. But, you know, I can't remember the name of my homeroom teacher. You know, the tall one. And then Heather supplies the correct name of his homeroom teacher. First try. Weird. (laughs) She just, she's good at guessing. (laughs) He asks what her name is and she gives him her first and last name, which is odd. Um, (laughs) But, you know, she's trying to form words correctly. We'll give her a pass. And he starts hitting on her. And it's really funny because Stein makes a point of saying that, you know, she's really, she's used to this attention because she's blonde and pretty, but she's eating this attention up. Ben who? (laughs) Okay. 
And now we come to the part where Hot Stranger probably should have kept his mouth shut and be pretty. Because when she asks what his name is, what does he say? Can you guess? Oh. Wesley. <laughs> Don't know. He says his name is Snowman. Snowman. So she asks if it's because of his hair. And trust me, it gets better. And he's real quick to come back with a no. It's because I'm cold as ice. And then he kind of goes up for like a bro high five. Wow. Wow. I know. That's all I have to say. Maybe he won't talk. I know. If you... (laughs) So she gets kind of thoroughly reality checked. She kind of snaps out of it. And she, you know, she enjoys looking at him one more time before she goes and puts his order in. But then, the, you know, business starts to pick up. She gets kind of slammed. She doesn't get really a chance to go over and talk to him again. When she goes to bring him his check, oh, oh, you know what? He forgot his wallet. Oh. And maybe he could like wash dishes or drive home and get it or something. What a scamp. But Heather (laughs) offers to pay for his meal and he in turn asks her out Saturday night. So, you know, he can pay her back for treating him to this dinner. Oh. And her first rejection to this offer is not, in fact, I'm sorry I have a boyfriend. Danielle, what do you why do you think she can't go out with him? She's probably some lame excuse, like I've have to wash my hair or something. I'm washing my hair. I'm doing my laundry. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. She tells him that she just doesn't date customers. But she will this time. So he leaves. They shut down the cafe. Now she has to walk out into an almost empty mall parking lot. And there's a few inches of snow on the ground and it's kind of lightly covering the very few cars that are left. Parking lot is mostly deserted and some of the overhead lights are out. And the few that are left are kind of very faintly like flickering. She takes a deep breath and heads for her car. And then she hears footsteps in the snow. She starts to walk a little faster, and the snow crunching behind her starts to crunch faster, too. And then she starts to run, and whoever is following her starts running as well, and she is grabbed from behind. And Danielle, can you guess who it is? It's either the boyfriend or the chunky friend. It's, oh shit, I've got a boyfriend, Ben. Oh, I was right. Half right. I was half right. (laughs) Nothing says love like parking lot assault. Okay. Mm -hmm. Ben. And, you know, Ben's being extra sweet, which is super annoying for Heather because she's feeling a little guilty for making a date with Snowman. She drives Ben home, and when they get to Ben's house, he invites her out on Saturday night to go to his friend Jerry's party. 
And she comes up with this really shitty lie about how she has to go with her uncle to visit like three cousins of hers and she can't go out Saturday night and he's not buying it mostly because it sounds stupid. Um, So this bitch starts with, Hey, you could come along, but my uncle won't like it, but it's okay. It'd be fun to have you. Come on, come with me. And Ben is hit by the reality that maybe she's not lying and certainly doesn't want to go on to any family visits with her crazy uncle. So he's like, no, you know, you do your thing. I'll do my thing. It'll be fine. But the truth is Heather's getting kind of tired of Ben, but she's not quite ready to cut him loose. So she decides that cheating on him is better. Okay. Good job. We time travel. A week goes by. The night before the date, she's on the phone with her friend Kim, who is chunky, talking about what to wear on the date. And this is where we meet Heather's aunt, Belle, who is constantly being bullied by her uncle. He tells her aunt what to do, what to wear. He's generally a piece of shit bully to like everybody who lives in the house, but mostly the aunt. Heather's going up the stairs. Uncle James kind of shouts and reminds her about his rule that anyone who takes her out has to come in the house so that he can meet them. And all it is, it's another chance for him to embarrass her and try to control her. And Heather is not feeling hopeful about this meeting between her uncle and this new hot guy. Snowman gets there and he's wearing this big overcoat and a long, wide red scarf. Real cute, Stein. Yeah. Isn't that adorable? Snowman with a red (laughs) scarf. And he comes in to meet the family. We finally get his real name. I'm going to ask you to guess again, Danielle. What is Snowman's real name? This is a tough one. What are some good 90s names? Like Chad. It's Chad. I'm going with Chad. <laughs> kind of close. Sort of. Sort I mean, of? Snowman's real name is Bill. Oh. Bill Jeffers. That's the worst name. I was disappointed too. I really wanted it to be like Carl or Travis. <laughs> something really stupid. Something good. No, it's Bill. So Bill pisses off Uncle James by being charming and also having white hair. He kind of wins over Aunt Bill right away. And just before Heather drags Bill out the door, Uncle James asks her what he should say if Ben calls. You know, Ben, your boyfriend. Bill says, you know, don't worry about your uncle. You know, he's actually a lot like my dad used to be. You know, my dad passed away. He's gone. But when he was alive, he was a lot like that. So they decide they're going to go out dancing. And it's a dance club called The Woods. So they're cruising along. She's ogling him and thinking about how pretty he is. When his expression changes, he looks in the mirror and he announces they're being followed. So he speeds up. He's taking sharp turns. He's blowing through stop signs. All while he's staying calm. He's trying to shake this tail off them. 
And when he finally does, he kind of throws his hands up like, oopsie, <laughs> I guess <laughs> there wasn't anyone following us. My mistake. It was an adorable joke. Okay. Okay. Well, well she still wants to go out dancing with him. Yeah, it was totally a weird <laughs> thing. Like, <laughs> random high-speed chase. Oh, wait, everything's fine. But he's pretty, so let's go dancing, right? Right. But that's when Bill starts dropping this stuff about, do you really want to go dancing? Because, I mean, we could just go somewhere and, like, hang out. Oh, now she gets it. He's broke. Oh. So she says, you know, I've I've got lots of money. I just got paid. I've got, I've hidden it for my uncle. Like, it's cool. Like, we can go half and half. I'm fine with that. No problem. So he says, okay, cool. No problem. So they go out dancing he he's very you know happy that she's agreed to go dutch he says something about how you know the move has been hard for his mother and he has this little brother who is also sick so things are tight at home for bill monday morning comes and she looks for him at school she can't find him anywhere she searches the halls for white hair i mean how can you miss that and she even checks the homeroom that he said he was in. Nothing. She runs into Ben in the hall. And Ben is pissed. Because Ben called the house for Heather and her uncle told him all about this date she made with another guy. Heather's livid. She's completely ignoring the fact that Ben is calling her out for being a cheating hoe. And she just <laughs> keeps ranting about how much she hates her uncle. Wow. And how she could kill him. And Ben... Ben just kind of leaves her there. <laughs> Good for Ben. <laughs> I know, right? Ben's got a pair. He's like, bitch, bye. Um, <laughs> and he just leaves her there in the hall. She goes to class, but she can't concentrate. She's thinking about the date and how wonderful it had been. They danced for hours. And then they went out and had Chinese food. And they had this really hot, like, goodnight kiss. She felt comfortable with him, and she ended up telling him, like, her whole life story. It was such a good idea. She wants to tell her friend Kim all about it at lunch, but stupid Kim only wants to talk about stupid Ben, who was all upset when he found out about Heather and this other guy. <laughs> Heather gives less than one fuck about Ben. Ben who? That night at dinner, Uncle James is being an abusive prick. He's bitching about everything, the meal that his wife never could cook, that Heather is a tramp and tried to make her finish all the food on her plate, even when she's full. So she gets up to leave and he kind of grabs her arm and pulls her back and she ends up falling and like hitting her head on the table. Oh. So the situation at home with Uncle James is getting, it's escalating. Yeah. Heather's head injury is not enough to keep her from going into work. The whole time, she's kind of half wondering if Bill will show up. She's also kind of thinking about Ben, which is a shock because she's actually feeling bad about lying to him. So when she gets home from work, she waits until her aunt and uncle go to bed and she calls Ben, who is still pretty pissed. And she tells him that, you know, she's really sorry about lying. She still wants to date him. But she also wants to date Bill. What? At the same time. 
And just when she's thinking that she's being a super good person for being honest, Bill tells her to go fuck herself and not to call him anymore. Good. Bye-bye. Ben. I know. Don't you love Ben? Ben has a pair. I'm I'm a fan of Ben. The next day, Bill comes into the restaurant. She asks him why he wasn't in homeroom. And he said he was going to be there. He told her the right teacher. Well, Bill says that, you know, he had to skip that day because there was some family stuff going on. He's not in that homeroom anymore anyway because they moved him. So she has to go see the other tables. He leaves her a note at his booth saying to meet him in the park on Sunday. And he does this thing where he signs all of his notes to her with little hand-drawn snowmen. Because that's what you do when you have a moniker uh at 19 okay i never knew anybody that really went by another name like that probably until college and then we we partied with a guy named uh scuba his name was steve (laughs) so we called him scuba steve Steve. and then we partied with another guy named squirrel and i don't even know what his i don't even know what squirrel's real name was (laughs) diana if you're listening send me a message and tell me what squirrel's real name was because i can't remember Did you ever have friends that like had like random made up names? I'm trying to think. I'm sure they did. It was, you know, it was probably late high school and then like early college. My friend and I knew a lot of people in small local bands. And of course they had dumb names, you know, like dumb nicknames because everybody's name was Michael. So you had to have a different name. It was, there was 10 Michaels. So it was that kind of a thing, but nothing as cool as Squirrel. I think Squirrel is the winner (laughs) well the funny part about it was that scuba and squirrel were friends so like they would roll up together a lot of times and it'd it'd be like um be like cheers scuba squirrel (laughs) yeah it was a lot of fun i wonder where those guys are Mm, nostalgia (laughs) she drives home from work and she notices that there's someone in a black ford taurus following her And I know that Taurus is still around, but I feel like that's a 90s car. Mm -hmm. The only thing that she can think of is this has to be Ben because Ben's mom drives a black Ford Taurus and Ben's house isn't far from here. So I'm going to just drive over to Ben's house and like see if he's home. And when she gets there, his mom's car is not in the driveway and nobody seems to be home at Ben's house. So she pulls over and she tries to jump out of the car and get a look at the driver. But the window tent on the Taurus is too dark. She can't see anything and the car speeds away. You know, maybe next time drive to a police station (laughs) or like a crowded place. (laughs) Maybe just don't pull over and jump out. Just saying. I don't even know how she jumped out of the car. I'm so I'm a little confused by that. So the car was, the Taurus was following her. She turned into like a driveway, uh-huh. throws the car in park, gets out of the car to see if she can see who it was <laughs> in the car following her. The image of that in my mind is just weird. <laughs> it's a little bit gangster. Like, I feel like she like threw it in park and then jumped out and was like, come at me, bro. <laughs> I hope that's how it went any hoodles okay so sunday's here and we are going to the park with our hot new boyfriend there's a lot of there's like a foot of fresh snow 
on the ground. Snow fell all day yesterday. All the snow. It looks like a friggin' postcard. There's hills and there's a lake with people ice skating and there's a forest with tall pine trees and they're all flocked with brand new snow. Bill is there, he's wearing this big old red scarf, and he kind of starts to pull her into the woods, and she's probably thinking, game on, right? He takes her into the woods a little bit, and there's this beautiful clearing. It's flat and kind of circular, it's like the meadow in twilight, and it's snow covered, and they decide they're gonna build a snowman. So while they are romantically balling up and packing snow, Heather swears (laughs) that she saw someone watching them from the tree line. But she figures that's just her imagination, and she keeps her focus on the hunk in the scarf. So they're pushing the snow around, and they're stacking it up in kind of a sexy way. And when they finish, they start kissing. And then they tell each other that they like each other. Like a lot. (laughs) And he says that this is now their special secret place. Okay. Sure. Uh, It's very romantic. It's not Danielle. This is a romantic scene. This isn't foreshadowing any kind of like sinister shit that's going to go down in this random spot that nobody knows about that your new boyfriend who you don't know at all just dragged you to. No, (laughs) that's not what's going on here. Okay. We need you to get it together. They're perfectly safe. I know. They're a hundred percent. No, this is a good situation. Totally. Yeah. She makes good choices. She does. And one night after the restaurant closes, they're in her car in the mall parking lot. And Heather tells Bill that evil Uncle James has just bought himself a new Volvo station wagon. She tells him that she thinks Uncle James is somehow dipping into her trust fund because Uncle James doesn't have the money for a new station wagon. Mm And she thinks that he's stealing from her, but there's no way that she can prove it. She doesn't have any kind of documentation or or anything that would show that that's what's going on. But in telling him this story, she's also let it slip. She's got a fucking trust fund. (laughs) So right after Bill learns this information, he asks her to invite him to dinner with her aunt and uncle. She has no idea why he wants to do this. He knows her uncle's crazy. So she agrees and they make a bet that he won't be able to make it all the way through the dinner without running screaming from the house. He accepts the challenge and they make plans for Wednesday night. Wednesday night comes and Bill is at the dinner table with Heather's family. He is like shoveling down her aunt's food, which is making her aunt very happy. She's one of those women who are like constantly feeding people and worrying (laughs) that they don't have enough to eat. Um, So Uncle James launches into like a really rude third degree uh, where we learn that, you know, Bill's mom is a nurse, that she works long shifts and that he has this 
little brother who is very sick. Uncle James tells Bill that he knows what's up. He knows what he's up to. He basically says that Bill is some kind of a white trash gold digger, and he has no long-term shot with his niece or her money. Oh. And Bill kind of jumps up the table, jumps up from the table like he's about to hit Uncle James. And Uncle James jumps up too, like Bill doesn't take the bait. He thanks Aunt Bell for the meal and he just leaves Uncle James standing there, kind of smiling because he's baited him into leaving. Heather catches up to him outside and kind of starts apologizing for her uncle's behavior. And he's like, you know what? It's no big deal. I've got bigger problems than your rude uncle. His little brother is really sick. and He needs an operation and they can't afford it. He might have to drop out of school for a while and get a full-time job, you know, just until he can make enough to pay for his brother's hospital bill. It's all really sad and totally true. And this operation it's going to be like $2,000. And then Heather, not Bill, not Bill, Danielle, Heather gets this idea because she has that money. She could just loan it to him. I mean, oh, he could pay her back whenever. And she can, she's got her checkbook. She can write him a checkbook right now. What? But Bill's like, no, you know, I'll work it out. I will work it out. I'll call you later. But he doesn't. He doesn't call her for like a week following week she's at the restaurant she's talking to kim she's really worried about bill because you know he's basically ghosted her since that night at dinner and just then bill walks into the restaurant he says now you know he's desperate he's tried to work it out himself but if she's still willing he wants to take her up on her offer to pay for her poor little brother's operation so she writes him a check for two thousand dollars Idiot. And he swears he's going to pay a wreck really, really soon. What do you mean, Danielle? She's helping out a friend. Okay. <laughs> like he's, she's known him like at least three weeks. This is, this is the right thing to do. I feel personally. If you say so. I mean. You don't feel that way. I mean, I'm, I'm getting this vibe that something is just not true about his statement, but also I had watched these terrible reality shows about like, um, like 90 day fiance and stuff and people get married after like a week of knowing each other. So I guess $2,000 in the grand scheme of relationships is not, is not that much. (laughs) Don't worry. It gets better. Better. It does. Personally, I think he's sincere. You know, she's probably been on like four dates with him and yeah, she's never (laughs) seen him at school and yeah, he's never paid for anything in her presence. And yeah, she's never met his family. But really, it's probably cool. Mm-hmm. I'm, it, and no promissory note. It's like she's never even seen the people's court. <laughs> you always write a promissory note. Judge Million says you have to have like a receipt, like cash. That's what she says. Cash doesn't leave this hand without a receipt coming in this one. I think it's Million. <laughs> Marilyn Million. One of those people's court. Anyways, I think you're right. Get a receipt. That's my point. She didn't do it. A few nights later. Heather walks outside and she finds Ben, old boyfriend Ben, walking up her driveway. He misses her. And she admits, you know, she misses him too. 
And he's like, well, are you still dating that other guy? And she's like, well, yeah. She starts to think about, but she hasn't really seen him since she wrote him that check. And she wants to know how his brother's doing. She tried to call him, but it's really weird because there was no listing in the phone book for a Jeffers. Huh, must be a mistake. But uh, Ben says that if she's still dating this other guy, then there's not really anything to talk about. And he leaves. Again, love Ben. (laughs) That night, Bill is waiting in her car when she gets out of the diner. Not creepy at all. Also, I know it's 1991, but damn, lock your car. (laughs) He's smiling big. There's something going on with him. He's hyped up. He's excited. And she's, she's begging him, you know, don't, don't keep me in suspense. Tell me, you know, how did the operation go? He totally avoids that question. And he says that he's come up with a perfect way to pay her back for loaning him that money. Can you guess? What is Bill going to do for her? Wash dishes. That would be helpful. I mean, $2,000. He's a, you better be good. Um, no he's already done it he knew he knew that she would be on board with this so he's already executed this plan he has killed her uncle James for her oh bum 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 okay she keeps waiting for him to laugh But he doesn't. He just says it was easy. He killed him. What? Just like she said she wanted. You see, in proper snowman style, Bill wears that big old red wool scarf. And all he had to do was knock on Heather's door. And when her uncle came out, he strangled him to death with it. It's really soft, so it didn't even leave a mark. So they'll probably think he just had a heart attack. I mean, I'm just baffled by his scarf is the weapon. This is not a turn I was expecting. Yes, he wraps the red scarf around his hands and strangles Uncle James to death. And bounces. Yeah, Bill's... Bill's fucking cracked he is like he's laughing wildly he's describing the look on uncle's face and she keeps telling him you know this is a really sick joke and we need please like just stop so he kind of sighs and he gets really serious and he says he'll just have to show her so they drive to her house and bill is practically like bouncing in his seat with excitement But when they get to Heather's house, there was an ambulance in the driveway and her uncle's dead body in the snow. Bill goes over, starts comforting Aunt Belle, who is crying about how he must have had a heart attack. He went to answer the door and he just never came back. Bill catches Heather's eye over her aunt's head And the fucker smiles. And he gives her this, like, triumphant little I told you so kind of look. And then he switches right back to comforting boyfriend. And that's when the switch flips for Heather. 
Snowman is a psycho. A psycho that she is currently dating. Good job, Heather. She shows Bill to the door so that she and her aunt can start making arrangements for her Uncle James's body. She starts freaking out on him. And he's confused. She told him that she hates her uncle. And didn't she say she wanted to kill him? He did this for her. He's sure that she's, you know, she's just upset. Tomorrow, she'll feel better and she'll see that this was really a nice gift that he has given her. She threatens to call the police and he starts laughing. Oh, silly Heather. You can't call the police. Not after you just paid your boyfriend $2,000 to kill your uncle for you. And Bill produces the check from his shirt pocket. He also admits he has no brother, no mother nurse, and he certainly does not go to Twin Valley High. And we were all shocked. (laughs) He tells her there's no turning back now. They're in this together, whether she likes it or not. And he leaves the house, promising he's going to come by and see her tomorrow because it's very clear that in his mind, they are still very much dating. Kim and Ben show up to Uncle James's funeral. So does Bill. Bill sits next to Aunt Belle comforting her through the funeral, staying with the family through the whole process. He's got his arm around her aunt and he keeps shooting these like creepy conspiratorial smiles at Heather the whole time. At the cemetery, Heather talks to Ben and she's like, you know, can can I talk to you tomorrow sometime? And he's like, yeah, you know, sure. Why not? She totally plans on running straight back to Ben in hopes that, like, he can fix this whole problem for her. The next day, she's waiting for Ben to show up, and a black Taurus, maybe the same one that was following her that night, pulls up her driveway. And these two dudes get out. They're from the FBI, and they want to come in and talk to her about someone that she may know. And she's like, first of all, where's your warrant? Okay, no, but she should have. Always ask for the warrant. (laughs) They ask her if she knows William Jeffer, and they give her the description of a kid with white hair. She's like, no, I don't know a kid who looks like that. I mean, one, one who looks like that came into the diner a few weeks ago, but I never saw him again. And they give her a card, and they're like, you know, if you see him or if you hear from him, just give us a call. And she's like, well, why do you want to talk to him? And they say, well, he's suspected to have killed his father. Now we time travel again. A few weeks have passed and Heather's starting to feel pretty good about herself for a few reasons. She now has control of her trust fund. Aunt Belle is totally cool with her spending money. And she's bought some clothes and a phone for her room and she's feeling kind of sassy about it. She is quitting her fucking job at the diner. She's very excited about that part. She made a movie date with Ben for the following night, and she has not seen or heard from Bill since the day of her uncle's funeral. It's like he's disappeared, and she is super happy about that. Until 
she's leaving the mall and finds Bill waiting in her car. In her car? Again, lock your damn doors. Yeah, in the car. I'm trying to remember if that was a thing. If we just didn't lock our cars, but I'm pretty sure I always locked my car. She asks, what does he want? And he pretends to look hurt. And he says something like, you know, I thought we had something here. But he drops those ambitions and he admits he needs money. He wants cash. See, he has this check that she gave him, but he can't cash it. That's his insurance policy. He wants another one. $2,000 to go away and never come back. Guess what she does? Something stupid. It can't make sense. Whatever she She writes him a check. Okay. He tells her this time, go ahead and make this one out to cash. A week later, she's talking on the phone to Kim about how happy she is that she and Ben are back together now. And Aunt Belle calls her down to dinner. And there's a mystery place setting for a mystery guest. Right about that time, Bill walks in the door. And she whispers something to him that's along the lines of, you know, you're a fucking liar. And he says something back like, duh. After dinner, her aunt goes upstairs and leaves the two of them alone in the living room. Bill makes a pass at her and she tells him, cut the crap. Why are you here? And I bet you can guess he wants more money. $5,000 in cash this time. And then he'll disappear forever. For really real this time. Promise. She figures she doesn't have a choice. So she says, okay. She has to go to the bank tomorrow at about 9 a.m. when they open and get cash because obviously she doesn't have that much. He says, okay, cool. I'll meet you there. So she goes to the bank the next day, takes out the money in $100 stacks and gives it all in an envelope to Bill. She goes to school. She comes home right after. She's talking with her aunt. Aunt Belle tells her, She's rented out the room over the garage. She's so excited. You know, she rented it to your nice friend with the white hair. Why, he gave her $4,000 in cash just that afternoon. Oh my Two God. months rent in advance. Oh my God. So we time travel again. I know, there's a lot of skipping. They do those like three stars that is basically like, We don't know what to write here. (laughs) So we time travel again. Bill's been living at Heather's house for a few weeks now, and he's there buttering up her aunt at like every opportunity. He's fixing things and he's kind of pretending that like he and Heather are still dating. So out of stress, Heather ends up spilling the whole story to Ben. Ben deduces that the only thing that really ties her to Bill And that keeps her from going to the police is that first check that Bill has. She made it out to him in his name and she signed it. And that they should just go up to his room right now and try to find it. They wait for the light above the garage to go out. And then they give it about another 30 minutes to make sure that he's fallen asleep. They go outside and it's snowing hard. Everything is quiet. 
I read recently that the reason it's it's so quiet when it snows is because the falling snow um, in the air absorbs all the ambient noise. That's why when it's snowing out, it's it's so quiet like that. So that's the kind of scene they're in where it's snowing really hard. It's really, really quiet. And they're creeping up the stairs to this little room above the garage in, in this like single file line, kind of Scooby-Doo style. <laughs> of course, someone knocks over a broom. <laughs> a lot of noise is made. They wait. They listen. And then they decide that Bill probably does not, in fact, hear sounds, and they move on. <laughs> they go into the room, and it's really dark. They can't see what's what. They can't see shit. And then the light clicks on. It's Bill with a tire iron. And he clocks Ben in the head, and Ben goes down oh. hard. In the next scene, Bill's leading Heather through the woods in the snow. Her hands are tied behind her back, and by the time they reach that same clearing where they had been before to build the snowman, it stops snowing. And she's telling him she'll pay him all the money she's got. She'll give him everything. Just let her go. Don't hurt her. He kind of laughs and says she's a liar, and he kind of pretends to go in for a kiss and he hits her in the back of the head. I'm assuming with that same tire iron and he knocks her out cold. So when she comes to, she thinks she's blind because her eyes are open, but she can't see anything. And it's cold, it's really cold. She's wrapped in something And she can hear this familiar sound and this like padding on her back, like snow being packed and compressed. She's been packed very tightly in snow. And maybe he thinks that the blow to her head had killed her and now he has sealed her body inside a snowman. The snow has been packed so tightly that she can't move at all. And she's worried that she'll run out of air. Is that a thing? Can you suffocate (laughs) in snow? I don't know. I don't really. I'm asking. I don't know. I don't know. But I will say that this is a horror movie trope, though, of being like packed in snow because like, like a dead body or... And there is actually a, there's a novel, I'd have to look up the year it came out, but there's a novel about a serial killer called The Snowman, and he puts people's bodies in snow. So. Oh, I wonder what year it did come out. Is Stein a hack? Who came out Mm -hmm. first? I feel like this was first, but I'm going to look it up right now. I'm consulting Google right at this moment. Okay. You consult Google, I'm going to go on, and then at the end, you can tell us, you can enlighten us all, which is coming up very, very soon. So I truly don't know if you can suffocate in snow. Uh, It sounds legit, because solid snow is just like, I mean, you can't breathe through it. I don't know. I'm I'm sounding really ignorant here. Okay. (laughs) Um, 
This is when we ask the Facebook group. Can you suffocate in snow? <laughs> we need the answer. Because <laughs> um, Christy's a moron. Uh, so she's worried she'll run out of air. And also, it occurs to her, you know, this was their special clearing. No one knows about it. And no one would ever even think to look for her there. They wouldn't find her until the snow melts, and then they discover her frozen body. So she starts to panic, and she tries to loosen the ropes on her hands. She can only move them a little bit, and, oh, God, it hurts like hell, because these ropes are wet from the snow. And she manages to get kind of one hand free and get it to her pocket to take out the lighter that seemed arbitrary before, but now makes a lot of sense. She points it away from her, clicks it. It does not light. She tries again. No luck. She's just about to give up, but she gives it one more go and the lighter blazes on. Because remember, this is a butane lighter. Right. She melts a hole in the snow big enough to get her arm out of. And she kind of punches her way out. And one side of the snowman crumbles. And she's free. She goes to untie her feet. And sees Bill is standing right in front of her. He's watching her the whole time. He's kind of amused. He's got his hands in his pockets and he announces he's just going to have to kill her the hard way. And he takes off his big red scarf, starts wrapping it around his hands and kind of moving towards her. And when he's right up on her, she flicks the lighter again and she sets his overcoat on fire. Ah! And that shit must have been polyester because it went up fast. <laughs> tried to get it off he couldn't work the buttons fast enough and he's screaming <laughs> and he falls to the ground because he remembers he's surrounded by snow the sirens start blaring and like lights come up to the clearing and this is this part pisses me off because we're in the woods i mean were these cops on atvs yeah. i'm very confused anyways so ben has arrived with the cops See, Ben came to at the house, and he called the cops. He knew where they had gone because, out of jealousy, he had followed him. He had followed them to the clearing that day they made the snowman. I thought so. The cops show up, and Bill is not moving. They recognize him as that kid that the FBI was looking for. And they were like, wow, he's alive, but he's, he's badly burnt. Heather, of course, starts to freak out because she thought they might find her check on him when they take him to the hospital. So she runs over and she sees his shirt is completely burnt away and her check in the pocket along with it. She hugs Ben and they crunch off into the snow together. And that's how it ends. What? So, I guess... Heather wins? Yay. I, I guess. I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's like we're leaving it open for a sequel. Like, we're maybe 
he comes back and he's horribly scarred from the burns and like maybe she goes to college and he follows her there but that never materialized so yeah that's the end bill goes to jail horribly scarred and heather gets her boyfriend back and all her money and doesn't have to live with her uncle anymore well he's Yay! dead <laughs> jaunty holiday story merry christmas no wait christmas is over uh yay for winter that was a so weird can one. you suffocate in snow oh I didn't it was that. it was a weird one i felt like i felt like it was a little kind of drawn out like there are times when i was like okay wait a minute do i care why do i care like, yes, when I was younger, I was definitely more sucked into the romance part of it. Like, I was yeah. like, ooh, a new stranger who's all hot and cute with a bowl cut. No, okay, let's do this. But although I will say, like, when we got to the part where he actually turned into a psycho, the book got much better. And I, I like the scarf being the weapon. That was pretty fun. I thought that was cute. There was, like, there was mm-hmm. definitely a couple, like, cute nods to him actually being a snowman. And I, I had never heard of a killer packing a body inside a snowman before. Um, so I thought I thought that was pretty novel, but I guess yeah. I have to look up this graphic novel that you're talking about. Is that this so the serial killer's in the graphic novel or is that something different? No, it's a it's a book. It's a novel. If I said graphic novel, I'm I was wrong. It's a regular book and it's called The Snowman and it's by Joe Nesbo and they they made a terrible movie adaptation of it maybe 2 years ago and um the book's really good. It's slow moving, but it's um it's ba- I forgot where it's I, he is Norwegian, the author, so it's um I want to say the book is based like in Norway as well. The pacing is a little bit slow, but it's a good um if you like like crime fiction it's a good one but um his whole thing is making snowmans too so mm-hmm. and i'll have to check it out we have a lot of new people in the facebook group that are coming from horror book groups that i went on and posted so they'll mm-hmm. they'll either already know it or that'll yeah. be a cool one for them to check out and tell us about mm-hmm. on the facebook group and it did come out in 2007 so he stole the idea from <laughs> and I'm not sure if you can get if you can survive in snow, but I'm kind of looking into it and it seems like that you would die from suffocation because you're breathing in your own air and you're getting carbon okay. poisoning. Yeah. So I think that's right. You, it's, it causes carbon dioxide poisoning when you breathe your exhaled hair air. So that's probably how you would die. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, Danielle, do you want to talk about the Facebook group for a second? Sure. The Facebook group is up and running. We have a lot of new faces in there. There a is a lot. ton. Have you noticed that? Like, yes. There's there's 80. We don't know 82 people. <laughs> these are these are legit people who don't know us. And it's it is happy and strange. I love it. We're trying to be better about posting, but definitely like the Facebook group, join in, suggest books to us. You can talk about being buried in snow. If you've ever been in an avalanche or something, share share your story with us. We want to know. Snacks with Stein. If you could, if you enjoy the show, 
wherever you are listening, go on and give us a review as long as it's five stars. If it's not, just keep it to yourself. A five-star review would be fantastic. Those reviews, the way that it works is they help us be found and be seen by more people to make the party even better. So we'll definitely appreciate that if that's something that you're willing to do. Until next time, we are out. Like my first boyfriend's belly button. (laughs) 